Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 83, produced 15 June 2021. Get your kicks on Route 66. That reference, of course, is to America's famous mother road, U.S. Highway 66, better known as Route 66, that winds its way from Chicago to L.A. But if it's Scottish kicks you're after, your plan to motor west just might lead you to the Kintyre Peninsula on Scotland's stunning west coast. I'm Glenn Moyer. With international travel still on hold for most of us, through the magic of this podcast, and with the help of my guest John Beveridge, owner of the Dunlosset House B&B in Makrahanish, we're about to take a virtual road trip around Scotland's newest tourist route to learn what kicks can be found along the new Kintyre 66. That's coming up here, Under the Tartan Sky. Are you Dot Scott yet? .scot is the domain for the worldwide community of Scots. It became available to the public in late 2014 and is used by the Scottish Government and Parliament, the National Health Service in Scotland and thousands of other organisations and individuals around the globe. .scot doesn't mind where you live or what kind of Scottish connection you have. If you're Scottish by birth, heritage or affinity, or an association that practices and promotes Scottish arts and culture, or a business with some kind of Scottish connection, then .scot is for you. Best of all, it's easy to sign up to. Simply visit domains.scot, choose your domain name, and you're off and running. And by the way, if you're just looking for a wee blather, our email service will help you do that too. .scot, be part of it. So who's up for a Scottish road trip? While we're still living in a time of travel restrictions and social distancing, road trips and staycations may be in the holiday planning for many through the summer of 2021 and beyond. Defined as a vehicular vacation, road trips allow for fun, flexibility, and travel to new, even if not so distant, destinations, with the added benefit of limiting your in-person interactions with those outside of members of your own social bubble. As travel restrictions in the UK are eased, many in England, Wales, and Scotland are turning to domestic staycations as an alternative to traditional yet still banned summer holidays abroad because of COVID-19 concerns. With that very target audience in mind, the Explore Kintyre and Gia Tourism and Marketing Group recently launched the Kintyre 66, a 66-mile looping road trip around the Kintyre Peninsula on the A83 and B842 roadways. The K66 is Scotland's newest tourist route, and it is unashamedly patterned after the rousing success of the North Coast 500, a much longer 516-mile route around Scotland's far north coastal area, launched some five years ago. But the K66 is not the first to jump on the NC500 bandwagon. There's also the similar Southwest Coastal 300, the Snow Roads Scenic Route, a 90-mile-long circuit through the Scottish Highlands, and the Hart 200, launched in 2019, linking Loch Lomond and the Cairngorm National Parks. Organizers had hoped to launch the K66 in 2020, but pandemic lockdowns derailed those plans for a year. 
each of those routes has a singular primary objective, namely to draw tourists to explore their regions of Scotland. The launch of the K66 route is also seen as a potential aid to economic recovery for the area following the pandemic lockdowns, and as we'll learn shortly, a general decline in tourism over the past few decades. So just where is the Kintyre Peninsula? Well, it's located in western Scotland in the southwest of Argyll and Butte. The peninsula stretches about 30 miles from the Mull of Kintyre on the south to east and west Loch Tarbert in the north. While physically it's only 60 kilometers from Glasgow to the main hub of Campbelltown, by car it's about a four-hour drive of around 140 miles. Anyone who's visited Scotland and traveled by car knows how driving distances and times can be vastly different than what we're used to here in the USA and other parts of the world. The peninsula is joined to the mainland by a mere two-mile stretch of land, once sometimes submerged by a daily tidal flow, helping the region gain its reputation as the mainland island. Johnny Beveridge grew up and was schooled in Campbelltown, became a chef, and moved away to see the world. He advanced into hotel management and spent 35 years in the international hospitality industry, calling places like Dubai, Busan, South Korea, Singapore, and others home along his way. In 2017, he and his wife Mandy returned to Kintyre, where they purchased and now run the Dunlosset House B&B in Macrahanish, near Campbelltown. With his lifelong ties to the peninsula and intimate knowledge of the hospitality industry, it's no surprise he is a member of the Explore Kintyre and Gia Tourism and Marketing Group, who are the brain trust of this new K66. While patterned after the NC500, it would be wrong to call the K66 just a copycat theme. Yes, its goal is to increase tourism to the region, but to understand the full reasons for why the Kintyre 66, you have to look back at the history of tourism on the peninsula, a subject that Johnny was quick to school me on. Traditionally, let me go back a little bit, that Kintyre was an agricultural fishing community. Um, there were certain uh, lairds. Who, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the term, but these are like the land, landowners and such like. And a lot of it was tenant farming. Um, some of this was supplemented with uh, dabbling in tourism. And of course, uh, Campbelltown, very famous for its malt whiskey. Um, traditionally, in, in fact, the house that we now own belonged to uh, Lossett Estate, uh, which is part of uh, which is part of the McNeil dynasty, uh, the clan seat, and um, they, this they built in at the turn of the last century um, to house their guests coming from the city or the cities of Edinburgh, Glasgow, London, and further afield, who wanted to come and and and, and golf and fish and shoot these sporting activities of that time um uh, that so so leisure at that time was seen to be you know to go to the country to follow these country pursuits um there wasn't really mass holiday making in so much as people going to the beaches certainly there wasn't surfing there wasn't um sort of paddle boarding there wasn't uh, golf wasn't necessarily accept, accessible to to people who didn't have a certain uh, amount of income and um we, we that then became the area became more and more accessible as because there's no no train connection but as 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 boats started to evolve beyond just the sail and started to be with uh, you know steam boilers uh, coal fired steam boilers uh, there was what was called going down the water with down the water basically which was a 
was an expression for people coming from Glasgow and sailing down the, the Clyde estuary in these boats, these steamers, some paddle steamers, some of them, you know, turbo uh, uh, propeller driven um, vessels. And they would take two to 300 people, especially during the summer months. Now I'm talking about probably from about 1910 through till the last of the, pa- the last of the steamers coming into Campbelltown would have been in the late 60s, early 70s. And, and there would be boatloads of these people coming down right through the summer months, uh, which would be basically the season from June through till halfway through September. And with this influx of people, they would come, stay in cottages, caravans, uh, bed and breakfast, guest houses, etc., uh, during a period which is known as the Glasgow Fair, especially. So this was blue-collar workers, a lot of them too, who, who, who got out of the city for fresh air for them and their families, and this was their annual trip. So we had that type of tourism. As tourism evolved with um, cheaper air travel to the continent, especially when we joined the EU from Britain, so it became very accessible, and airlines such as Ryanair, EasyJet, to name but two, and then eventually, you know, um, British Airways came up with their own um, their own budget uh, type pricing. Uh, people started then to to go overseas within Europe mainly, you know, to Spain, Portugal, uh, south of France, uh, parts of Italy, Greece, and so tourism very quickly uh, morphed into something uh, a little bit more exotic by going in search of sun to the continent. And we saw a rapid decline in the tourism industry around the area. Uh, People then, there was a misconception sort of crept in that, well, you know, it's so far away to go to Kintyre, you know. And this is in the mind, you know, people thought, well, it's it's a good three to four hours to drive from Glasgow to Campbelltown. And why, you know, what is there to do? What is there to see? Especially when there are other options seen to be nearer home. But also in, as I say, the 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 the, the now uh, financially accessible uh, traveling overseas to the continent. Certain aspects still did do well locally. Golf, because we have three magnificent eighteen-hole courses, and so we had the golfers continuing to travel down here. But but it was nowhere like the, the volume that there used to be in the quote unquote old days. So the the, the components were still there. The beautiful countryside, the, the, as I mentioned. Golf. There was still access to cycling, fishing. Uh, malt distilleries were still going, at which they're, they're, they've gone from strength to strength at the moment. And and occasionally, you know, a spotlight would shine on Kintyre, like when Paul McCartney uh, came up with his song "Mull of Kintyre" and recorded a video on the beach at Saddle. That got and it became a number one hit in the UK, and I don't, I think it made its way to America as well. And that brought the spotlight back to Kintyre. So there was times when, again, you know, we were noticed. But a lot of the hotels suffered um, through the sort of six, the 60s, 70s, well, right up till the, the what they call the noughties here, the 2090s, uh, sorry, the 2000s, you know. And um, it, we, it, we still ticked over, but the, the, these elements that were always here attracting people to Kintyre were still here. And we felt, look, you know, how can we capture people's imagination and let them see that you know there is so much to see here, and it is it is uh, accessible. It's not so remote. We have uh, we have the feel of an island, but we're actually part of the mainland. So it's 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 affectionately known as the mainland island. There's a very small isthmus that runs at Tarbert, which is about half a kilometer 
where actually at one point there was a tidal flow between the two from West Loch Tarbuck to East Loch Tarbuck. So we have that island feel, but you can drive here. You're not you're not waiting for a ferry. You're not you know you're not dependent on some, uh, on 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 being somehow caught on the island and not being able to get home. And so this is why when we sat down and we got our heads together as as a group, the Explore Kintyring Gear, um, I was looking at a map of the peninsula. And I've actually been at Route 66, where it starts out of Chicago. And um, the thoughts are a tongue-in-cheek. Should we punch above our weight and just kind of um, play a little bit on on that, as well as you know the North Coast 500 and the success of other sort of circular routes in Scotland, and come up with one of our own by driving up or down the west side and the east side of the peninsula. The North Coast 500 that you just mentioned has been hugely successful and has spawned other similar circular routes, as you say. And now, of course, the Kintyre 66. Let's get right to one issue, though, that that I see a lot of people asking about with regard to the North Coast 500, and I'm sure it will come up with the K66. Um, I know from my many trips to Scotland, Driving in Scotland is vastly different from what you know Americans are used to. What's going to be your advice to people traveling to Kintyre to do this new K66 with regard to timing? And, and how much do we need to realize that driving in Scotland is not, even on a, on a tourist route like this, is not the same as driving across the United States? Well, that's a, that's a good question, Glenn. So there's a couple of things there. Um, you know, with regards to um, the driving, the drive experience, um, you know, not that I have the sufficient wealth to own one, but Bentley, I, I happened to be on their mailing list for their magazine because because I did some work with them on a car launch way back in my hotel days with Hyatt. And um, they had this article about the three best drive. Well, it was the 10 best drives in the world. And they had the first... Uh, the first two best drives were West Coast USA, Highway 1 and 1 uh, north of San Francisco. And the third one they had was Oban to Campbelltown. Now, you know, it, 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 it's, it's just so scenic and the roads are so drivable that it is a, it's, a, it's a beautiful driving experience uh, on these roads with the scenery that you, you it's not fast, thank goodness. I mean, the, 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 it's not, they're not built to be fast, but the driving experience is, is excellent. And needless to say, having lived in Campbelltown uh, at the beginning of my life and uh, my driving uh, started out from here. And now I, until, you know, COVID restrictions, I was traveling up and down quite a bit. I've, you know, I go to Edinburgh quite a lot too, which is a bit further than Glasgow. But from, from where we are at sort of down near the end of the peninsula to Glasgow, this is like a three and a half to four hour drive. The bus, the commercial bus, does it in, in four hours and fifteen minutes. So it's not, and and, and this is one of the. It, it's not a, a difficult or an overly long drive. Now I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, driving um, interstate in the U.S., you got the freeways and such like, and you can gobble up the miles. Uh, I've travelled to Australia, and and I mean, these guys down there don't think twice about jumping a car, and drive ten hours to go surfing. You know. Um, so, so th- this is what we wanted to, to press a reset button here and people's thinking like, you know, it isn't that far and it isn't that remote. You know, three hours to three and a half hours behind the wheel of a normal saloon car and, and you can be right in the midst of the most beautiful West Coast uh, countryside and scenery. And some people can even, you know, have done it as a day trip out of Glasgow. I mean, a lot of people here in the town 
will will travel to Glasgow for a day shopping to, to go to the big stores. Yes, there's, there's, there's excellent shopping here in the peninsula, you know, but once in a while you sort of crave to hit a huge department store somewhere in, in, a, in a central city. So so it's not it's not that difficult a drive. The west side of the peninsula has your normal uh, two-lane highway, and on the east side of the peninsula, parts of it, sections of it, maybe about 50% of that side, is on a, a single, well, very well a metal road, single track road with lots of passing places. But the, the, the scenery that you see on the way as you drive on these roads is, is just is, is, is beautiful. With three days, you know, that's like a long weekend, I suppose. This is why we wanted to lay out in detail on the K66 material that has now been published, just how many things you have, just what menu you have in front of you to occupy three days to a week, you know, 10 days, there's plenty to do. And as I mentioned before, you know, from from uh, golf, which there's, you know, the Scots are pretty keen on, as, as you know, uh, but cycling has become a big thing and it's, it's gathering momentum here now. Um, you've got hill walking, you've got fishing, a lot of brown trout fishing. Uh, there's also ornithologists, you know, bird watchers come here, especially for the seabirds. Uh, and then if you're a, a whiskey enthusiast, there, there's the Springbank and Glen Scotia distilleries here. So there, there's there's a lot to do. If you just want to beach visit through the summer months, um, there's some beautiful beaches at the front here of, of where I am, Macrahanish. We have a six-kilometre stretch of sand that runs from here up uh, north, up the peninsula um, to a place called Westport. Um, so that is – but there, there's a, a wide variety of things to do, Glenn, that I that, that would occupy your time, you know, while you're, while you're here. And that was my point. An American might look at this and think, as I say, the, the town where I used to live, I go to, to see friends for lunch, and that's a 60-mile drive, and, and yet I'll, I'll do it at, at the drop of a hat, and I can go spend less than an hour driving, have lunch, and then be mm-hmm. back. But driving 66 miles in Scotland, especially in a circular route around the, the peninsula, is not something that I would say, well, let's take the afternoon and go do the Kintyre 66. That probably isn't going no, to happen. No. And if it does, you're certainly not going to yeah. see much. You're just going to be blitzing around the that's peninsula. Right. So the whole point is 66 miles is a bit of a misnomer in the sense that you can't relate it to, to what driving 60 miles here in the United States would be like. That's correct. Uh, but what you can do is in that 66 miles as you drive around, there are so many places to stop, explore and see from uh, from standing stones to the beaches that you can go to, the, to the fishing ports, to the seafood uh, restaurants en route, um, to down to the famous Mull of Kintyre Lighthouse. So you would drive uh, once you get to the peninsula um, and enter Tarbert. Already there are things to do in Tarbert to stop and see. Then another sort of half hour, 45 minutes drive will take you to the next uh, area of interest. So it's, it's, it's very much, it's not, it's not to accentuate that this is uh, 66 miles of uh, just enjoy the drive. It's to, the drive is a means, of you to, a means for you to enjoy all these other things that are going on. Uh, on the peninsula and to visit and to explore. And if people do want to take a day out from their from their three-day visit, five-day visit, six-day visit, whatever it may be, to the peninsula, then you can do that drive of 66K right around the peninsula, or you can cycle around it. If you're really fit, you can do that in a day um, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and take in all that there is to see and explore. And right down in South End, there's a fantastic cake shop down there. So if you're needing a, a calorie rush, 
you can go in there and get a huge slab of black forest <laughs> gato. <laughs> now, now you're talking my language. <laughs> um, well, and I was going to point out this: the K66 is a circular route. It's primarily uh, a drive along the A83 and the B842 on the different sides of the peninsula. But there are a lot of ancillary roads so that one can go inland, if you will, and um, and do an awful lot of exploring. The the K66, as you say, is really just kind of the, the key that opens the door to expl- exploring the entire Kintyre Peninsula. Isn't that I think right? that's a very good way of putting it, the key that opens the door. And yes, you'll notice that on the K66, on the, on, on the, the website and the landing page there, and there's the map of the K66, um, is that it, it goes through Campbelltown if you, if you come off the 83, for example, and then you head up the, the, the east side up uh, towards Carradale. But from once your arrival in Campbelltown, you then have the choice to spur off and come out to Macrahanish, as I say, where the beautiful, there's a bird observatory, there's beautiful beaches. The golf course here is number 57 in the world, according to Golf Digest, and the best first tee in the world. It's worth a look, if, if you're, even if you're not a golfer. Or you can go down to South End, where again uh, there's a beautiful beach and there's a famous rock, the Navarty Rock, down there, where there was a uh, a battle that basically changed the history of the area um, on, on on that rock itself. Uh, or you, and then once in South End, you can head even further south to um, to where the lighthouse is. Also in South End is a, a, a cave and and uh, and a stone with footprints carved into this, and that's where Saint Columbo who brought um, Christianity from Ireland to the British mainland, arrived some 1,600 years ago. And uh, it's, it's, it's tradition says that when he arrived at South End in a small sailing boat uh, with his followers, uh, he stood on this rock and looked back and could still see Ireland. So he said, we can't stay here. You know, the, the island had brought me so much heartache and and it, and it and it makes him so sad to have left it. He he couldn't have a daily reminder of looking at it. So he sailed further up the coast to the island of Mull, where they went on to uh, the small island of Iona, and there is an abbey there to this day, Saint Columbus Abbey. So there's that kind of history. There's also um, an abbey at Saddle, as or the ruins of an abbey at Saddle as you head up the east coast. Just another place to stop and have a look. Um, with these spurs that you're talking about, Glenn. You know, halfway down on the eighty-three, you've got the the village of Tain Loan, where the ferry leaves for Gia, and uh, that sails throughout the day. Uh, there's beautiful gardens over there, Achimore Gardens, and there's an excellent seafood restaurant. So a lot of people just park up their car at Tain Loan. You can take it on the ferry if you wish and cross over to uh, Gia Island and enjoy what it has to offer. In fact. Uh, Years ago, when the when the Royal Yacht Britannia was still on the go, and Her Majesty and Prince Philip and family were sailing up the west road of Scot, the uh, west coast of Scotland, which they used to do uh, as part of their their annual uh, visit to Scotland, they stopped in the bay at Gia and would picnic there uh, on, on on the north end of the island. Um, there's also the the, the the ferry that goes from Clonic, which is up the east coast. Uh, onto uh, the island of Arran, which you can do for the day. And again, without, sorry, throwing so many names at you, but there's the Kenna Craig Ferry, which goes over to Isla. So you can also do a day trip to Isla from, from the peninsula. So there are these, yes, it's 66 miles, and you could drive around it 
and not quite at freeway speed. I would certainly not encourage that, but you could get around it really. If, you, if it was just miles you wanted to eat up, you could get around it pretty fast. But if you wanted to stop and enjoy all these various, as you say, side roads, and, uh, and I mean, uh, you know, the key that opens the what's what's on offer, as you say, then uh, there's there's plenty to do and plenty to see. And that's the whole point of a route like this is to get people to explore the area, not to just come drive around like a like driving around a racetrack or, or sort of thing. I know that you have some familiarity with America's uh, Route 66, and it of course became famous not only as the mother road for taking people, you know, across the nation to the west. But it really became popular from a tourist standpoint because of a lot of the really weird, oddball things, roadside attractions, we call them here, that one could find along the way, places where that you would want to stop and see. Some of them were, were man-made, like the, the Wigwam Motel, the Totem Pole Park, Cadillac Ranch, those kinds of places. There are others that are natural uh, phenomena, the petrified forest, the painted desert, those kinds of things. So... Are there some oddball, what I would call oddball things there to be found along the route, places that people are going to absolutely want to stop and go, what the hell is this? Um, I'm afraid I can't say that there are any at this stage, Glenn, but you never know. Uh, Somebody could come up with something, and if they can get past (laughs) the planning guys uh, and the local authority, uh, they'll have a go. Um, But but I suppose (laughs) you could say that our ancestors thought that they they would try a bit of that and uh, some of the standing stones we've got are not so much oddball, but they're in really beautiful locations to, to, to stop off and, and, and have a look at. I, I never actually managed to travel the, the whole of Route 66 in, out of Chicago, but I did enjoy one of the best breakfasts I ever had. At uh, Right at the start of um, the, the, the route, there's, there's a, and I'm sorry, the name of it escapes me, but there's a fantastic uh, cafe, breakfast cafe there where I had a, a huge feed. And um, I, I do hope to get back one day and, and, and drive it and see some of these wonderful sites you're talking about. Well, I don't know if there is any huge feed that can top you know a full Scottish. Um, that's also that's, true. Yeah. That, <laughs> that can, that could be a plateful. There's no that's doubt also about true. that. And you know that's the great thing about um, a lot of the, the the restaurants and bed and breakfasts here. They they don't hold back on on the breakfast. Uh, they're, they're, they're believers in a big good big feed to the start of the day. I'm going to play a quick game with you, a little game of word association. I'm going to throw out some iconic terms that relate to Scottish tourism, and and you'd give me your recommendation to find this along the uh, the K66. For example, let's start with the idea of I'm going to make a trip to the beach. What beach would you say I go see on the K66? Well, that's a good question. We've got a number of these. So um, there are some beautiful beaches on the island of Gia, you know, which I mentioned you can get to from Tainlone. But heading down the peninsula, there's a, there are a number of them, but the first one that comes to mind is at Tangy Beach, and then there's Westport, uh, and uh, which is joined to Macrahanish. That's the one that's about 6K long. That's on the 83. And a lot of surfers actually come there. This is one of the, the, the top surfing spots when we have the right conditions in Britain. Um, following on from that, at South End at Dunaverty, there's a really nice beach and then up the east side, uh, there is the beach at, at Saddle, where there's uh, the, the castle on the beach um, from 1506. And in fact, that's where Paul McCartney filmed the, the video that went with the Mull of Kintyre soundtrack 
uh, when he when he recorded that. Further up, there's another beach again at Carradale called the Golden Sands, which is a beautiful beach. So there are quite a number of them, both on the east side, the west side, and in fact, the south of the peninsula, and as I mentioned, on the island of Gear. Okay. And if I'm a, uh, a whiskey and gin connoisseur and I'm coming to the K66 for that experience, where am I going to go? So coming down the east side of the peninsula, you've got Torresdale Estate, which is the home of Benetuck Distillery. Uh, Benetuck basically means the, the hill of the boar, of the wild pig. And um, they, have a, they have a distillery in there. It's a micro distillery. Um, though they produce quite a number now uh, of, of, of bottles, uh, quite high volume, and different flavors of botanic gins. They've also got a gin school in there, and they have a small restaurant, which is just newly opened. So that's where I would say to get some, some uh, gin, and they're, they're flavored with some of the natural herbs and plants that can be, be found around here. In Campbelltown itself, You'll probably be aware, Glenn, that, that Campbelltown uh, used to be or was reputed to be the whiskey capital of the world at one time. 36 distilleries for such a small place. And um, a mixture of prohibition and some other logistic challenges brought the number nearly crashing to zero. And through the, the, the 60s, 70s, 80s, right through in fact, to the end of the 90s, they struggled to keep the local distilleries going. And now, of course, um, they are back at the very top of people's must-have malt list with Springbank Distillery uh, and um, the, the Glen Scotia Distillery. In fact, Glen Scotia just won a prize in San Francisco about three months ago with a 25-year-old malt, which was declared the best whiskey in the world. Um, so we've got some fantastic whiskey here um, and, and definitely worth, a visit to the distilleries themselves because they do guided tours of the distilleries with the people who actually make the whiskey. So, you you, you know, and I must say a lot of the, our American guests here who come to play golf um, actually make sure they allow enough time during their golfing trip to, to make a trip to the distilleries and, 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 and do that tour and get some, some bottles to take home with them. If castles are the thing that turned me on about Scotland, can the K66 help me with that? Yes, there is a castle in Tarbert, which is, uh, as you enter the close to the beginning of the peninsula, on the north end of the peninsula, which is uh, still you know, clearly seen as a castle. It's not habitable, uh, but it's, it's, it's great to visit. And from up there, you can see beautifully into the village of Tarbert and the fishing harbour of West Loch Tarbert, uh, sorry, East Loch Tarbert. And then um, coming down the peninsula again on, on the east coast, just past where uh, the, the Beneturk distillery is, is Saddle Castle, which was uh, built in 1506 and has changed hands a number of times with various lairds and, and warring um, clans within uh, the peninsula and from the islands. And it's now it now belongs to the Landmark Trust, and they've done a phenomenal job restoring it and Saddle House. And in fact, I stayed there last week, the weekend before last in the castle because um, people can rent it. And um, it's it's just uh, unbelievable. They have a book in there that, that sort of uh, covers the, the history of, of the place. And it just makes a fantastic read to think that, that some a place like that is still habitable after all of these years. Coming further down the peninsula from there, um, there are not any other castles that come to mind, but there are a number of 
old from Pictish set well pre Pictish settlements, um, brocks and, and and round house type forts um, that the ruins can still be seen. Um, they're interesting to, to visit. Uh, Danaverty Rock, as I mentioned, it had a, it at one time had a castle there down at South End, but that was broken up when when uh, there was a major battle there, and of course the the victors take the prize, and in this 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 case they demolished the prize because um, they didn't want it to be used again. There are also um, the there's also the abbey. Uh, if you look, it's old buildings or sites of old buildings. The abbey at Saddle. Is, is worth a visit. You've already mentioned bird watchers. I forget the, the scientific term that you used, but uh, but basically bird watching being popular there in the peninsula. What about other wildlife? We had friends from Wisconsin staying here uh, just last week, and uh, they they were out walking and saw um, a, 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 a bottlenose dolphin uh, swimming uh, where they were walking on the beach. There are a lot of Harbor seals and grey seals. These are the two species of seals, uh, seals sorry, that we see a lot of around here. And then over and above that, um, aquatic life-wise, uh, otters. There's a lot of sea otters that you you you, you see feeding uh, round, especially round from uh, just past Macrahanish, right round the Mull of Kintyre to where it comes back in at South End. In fact, the whole of the coastline, uh, if you're fortunate, um, you'll, you'll get a chance to see otters. There are um, deer, a number of species. Uh, further up the peninsula, there's some red deer, but we also have sika deer and roe deer. There are, uh, there's a hare, which is like a large rabbit uh, affair. We've got these. And uh, then, as I mentioned, a large amount of, of, of seabirds, which um, come in off the Atlantic. And this is why the bird observatory that is, that is uh, just past Makrahanish near a, a rocky piece of coast called the Gaudrons, um, this is where uh, people go to watch a lot of birds that are blown in in a storm that come to rest um, and, and roost in on the rocks there. And then uh, a lot of migratory birds that pass through here are documented by the guys in the observatory. And the last one I'll ask about, and, and I suspect um, this one, based on your previous comments, you know well, and that is golf. And and one of the things that that I'll throw out right off the top in my research about um, Kintyre was um, the course that must be very near to you, uh, Macrohanish, and the opening tee there is rather famous because you literally, uh, on your tee shot, have to drive across a beach. <laughs> Where in the world else do you do that? So golf has to be, I think, a big attraction on the peninsula. Is that right? You're absolutely right, Glenn. Golf is a big attraction here. Um, if we go back, the course itself was actually um, designed by the gol- golfing legend called Tom Morris, old Tom Morris, as he's known. And yeah, Tom Morris uh, designed it in the 1860s as, as, a, as a classic links, no-nonsense links course following the coastline. And um, it has become one of the must-play uh, golf courses, especially links courses in the world. I think I mentioned earlier that Golf Digest um, International Magazine has it as number 57 in the world, which is pretty good going for a, for a wee place like this on the west coast of Scotland. Um, we're fortunate that, uh, you know, we, we have... Um, Three 18-hole courses, uh, as I was mentioning earlier on when we first started uh, talking. And um, the, 
that the second one at Makrahanish or the second golf course that's accessible close to Makrahanish is uh, Makrahanish Dunes. And this is owned by the American Southwark Group. And they've spent a lot of time and effort uh, building a, a second very nice links course, um, which is further north up the coast from uh, Makrahanish Old Course itself. At the Makrahanish Old Course, there's also a nine-hole course. So you, you mentioned, you know, it must be nearby me. I'm actually sitting, talking to you, and I'm looking at the 18th green on Makrahanish Golf Course. Oh, That's how goodness. close I am to it. <laughs> and, yes, the famous the famous first tee, the, supposedly the best um, first tee in the world. You, you mentioned driving across the beach. You, also, if the tide's in, you have to cross a bit of the Atlantic with your shot too. That's if you take the Tiger line, if you're bold enough. Some people kind of chicken out and go for a dog leg <laughs> to get around it. But uh, we had, a, for example, we had we had uh, four people in the, over the weekend, uh, two golfers and and uh, their, their partners. And these two gentlemen golfers were retirees. One was a surgeon. I'm not sure what the other gentleman did. And he said it was on his bucket list. He had to play Macrahanish. They travelled up from Manchester just to play it. But we have. Helicopters coming in from uh, Turnbury Course on the other side of uh, the Firth of Clyde, and the helicopters land beside the course here and 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 put golfers down to play, and they'll they'll play and have their their lunch and and maybe do another nine holes and then uh, fly out. But most of them who really want to enjoy the golf here, they, you, you can fly into if if you don't want to do the drive down the peninsula, you can fly into Campbelltown Airport which has got twice daily flights and, and uh, hire a car locally and um, drive around or get transport to take you to your, where, you're, where you're staying and then play the courses from, from wherever you are, either in Macarish itself or in Campbelltown or further up the peninsula. So we have a lot of golfers coming in from overseas who just say, I, I have to play Macarish. It's one of my must-do courses in my life. And it's great because when they do come here, a bit like you mentioned, you know, the key that opens the lock. When people come here to play golf, um, they it opens the lock for them to, during their free time, to explore a bit locally. And uh, as I say, they can hire a car and drive part of the 66 or do the route all the way around and um, enjoy, uh, enjoy not just the golf while they're here. Yeah, that would be uh, one hell of a golf story that, you know, the opening tee was was one heck of a shot. I had to drive it across the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few folk pined out on that one. I bet so. I bet so. Um, well, we've talked a great deal about what there is to see and do, and it sounds fantastic. So let's talk about another part of the tourism issue. What is, and of course, I, I realize you run a very fine B&B there, but in general, um, how is the is the route situated with regard to accommodation and dining for the tourists that you hope to attract? Um, good question, yes. Well, when people come in right from the start, when you're basically getting onto the peninsula um, up north uh, at Tarbert, uh, there's there's a fine hotel outside of Tarbert there, uh, Stonefield Castle, that has a restaurant in there and there's accommodation there. You come into the village of Tarbert itself, there are a number of restaurants, both just for casual dining, well, it's all kind of, Good casual dining, but I mean, like cafes if you want to grab a fish and chips. But there's also very good seafood restaurant in Tarbert Village itself, um, and other places you can dine there in the hotels in Tarbert, and you can stay in the hotels in Tarbert. Of course, there's accommodation there. I'm coming down the A83, so coming down the west coast of the peninsula. Um, as you travel down 
there, there are a number of um, stops where you can have something to eat. In Tain Loan, for example, where the Gia Ferry runs, um, you can dine there at right at where the, the ferry leaves from. Um, there's Glenbar Stores, uh, which is a cafe. Uh, there is, you, as you get closer into Campbelltown, um, there's the Argyle Hotel in a village called Baraginti. And then in the town itself, um, there are a number of restaurants, good seafood restaurant in, in the town as well, as well as on the island of Gia. There's a fantastic uh, seafood restaurant over there, and the Hotel in Gia has a good restaurant. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you get down to South End, and there is the most fantastic cake shop, Monroy Stores, where they, they bake on premises. And uh, you really have the most wonderful selection uh, of, of fresh home-baked cakes uh, that, that to enjoy there. And, and, and you could do with a good walk on the beach afterwards, you know. Out, out here in, in Makrahanish, we have the uh, there's a large hotel, or largest hotel, not large by, by any uh, sort of U.S. Uh, city standards, but um, large-ish for, for us around here, and that's the Yugadale Hotel. And they have a restaurant there. They're part of the Southwark Group. And there's the there's a, a pub there where you can get really good pub grub. And if, if you're playing golf, then you have access to the restaurant in the newly finished, newly rebuilt uh, golf club. Into Campbelltown, I mentioned the restaurants there, South End. Up the up the east coast, um, you can eat in at uh, Torresdale, where the gin school is, or where they you know where they make Benetuck uh, Distillery is. And further up in Carradale, and then all the way up to Skipness, there's a seafood restaurant in Skipness. So basically, as you go around the peninsula, it's punctuated with, with let's call it pit stops, where you can you know either get a, a full meal or just grab a bite or get a, get a freshly brewed coffee. Well, one thing I am curious about, um, obviously you being a local businessman there, one of the complaints early on when the NC500 was launched was that it was so successful that a lot of the locals, the local shops, weren't prepared for the amount of tourism that it brought to the area. The infrastructure, a lot of complaints that the infrastructure just wasn't very well thought out. Um, and for the first year or so of its operation, there was a lot of overload uh, on the point of some people. So I'm curious, as a local businessman yourself, um, how much input did the locals have as this whole project was being developed so that it would, that it, when launched, which it was, is being launched this year, um, so that it would be successful and that, and that the local shops could do as well as the big operations? Well, um, that, that, that's a good question because we too read of or hear of some uh, so-called challenges on the, on the North Coast 500. And, and um, I mean, if one puts it in a balance of how many positive experiences against how many people have had a challenge, I think you, you would agree from what one reads that, you know, the positive experience far outweigh some of the negative reports. And there's always going to be somebody who has a bad day and it's, you know, whether, whether it's the person on the service side of the equation or the customer, but, uh, you know, that, that can make its way through to the media. And rightfully so, you know, we need to focus on ensuring that people have the most positive experience we, we can deliver. Where we're fortunate is that um, our members in the Visit uh, Kintyre and Gia group, which, of course, includes Tarbert, it's the whole peninsula, we have members right from the south of the peninsula up to, to Tarbert and, and, and beyond. And from the beginning, we, we as, as you're probably aware, Glenn, we were looking at launching this last year in, in, in spring 20. But of course, with COVID and such like, it would have been irresponsible to encourage people to travel, number one. 
going contrary to, to the regulations. And secondly, really, there, there wasn't the opportunity to explore as much during, if at all, during the lockdown time. So, so we held it over till, till this year when uh, government allowed um, restrictions to be lifted. Uh, not completely, of course, there are still some in place, but at least people could travel more freely. During that period, we kept our membership informed of the, um, what was happening and um, how we were uh, gearing up to, to, to launch the 66. And there was um, feedback into Ian Johnson, who I think you've been in contact with Ian, who, who sort of uh, keeps us all on the right path administratively within the organisation. And this was, this was channeled back through and, and discussed. Uh, I would say, I think stakeholders sounds like a slightly more mercenary way of looking at it, but, but they, 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 they are, their buy-in is the fact that, you know, they are locals, they know the area well, they, uh, they want to see it do well, but they don't want it spoiled. So that balance was, was, was there from the beginning. Um, and we have, we have uh, tried to ensure that the, even during difficult times, you know, when, when, when money was tight for authorities as well as for individual businesses, that the amenities have been kept going in relation to you know, public conveniences and, 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 and places that um, uh, are, are used uh, for, for recycling and such like, where people can, can with, um, with a certain amount of, of uh, responsibility, dispose of their waste and such like. Unfortunately, you're always going to find that um, there'll be one or two people who, who, who are irresponsible or thoughtless about the rest of the community and, and kind of leave things just where they where they were last sitting, um, and that we we will have to deal with as we go along. But we have we, we want to see it grow, but we don't want to see it grow at at, at a pace um, that that would put uh, undue strain on the services that we have here on the peninsula. And 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 I think from what we've seen so far, the interest has been great, and there has been a rise in numbers uh, visiting the peninsula. And people are behaving responsibly. And so the signs are good, but we're very vigilant to, to see that if there is going to, if there's a problem going to emerge or if there is feedback within the community, I'm talking about the resident community, about something that they're finding as a challenge in relation to this, then we will do our best to address it. I'm curious, as you just said, you had intended to launch this in, in 20, uh, and because of COVID and the lockdowns, et cetera, it was put off until this year. And even this year, your increase in visitors are primarily, I'm, I'm sure, are Scots and, and potentially people from England, perhaps, uh, basically what I would term domestic tourism. And because international travel, uh, we Americans can't fly over there and, and visit like we would love to. So that's still to come. Is that in some way this year almost a test run for you to see how the route's going to work and how the, the locals and, and the economy and all of the accoutrements respond? Is it in some way a good thing that you can launch this in a period of limited travel? I think it's, a, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, you, what you're saying is, is, is very on, um, on the moment of what is happening in relation to this terrible uh, COVID pandemic. And um, it, there has been a lot of uncertainty in the hospitality and, and, and travel and tourism sector 
because the rules have needed to be changed so often. Um, and so uh, with restrictions on travel, where you can go overseas and, and who can come in and visit uh, the UK, that has cut down. Well, let's let's take let's take the domestic market as you as you mention it. Um, you know, people first they they thought. You know, once the, the, the restrictions started to be lifted, oh, we'll plan our overseas travel anyway. And then as they got closer to date of departure, or sometimes even uh, worse for them, when they were already overseas, the rules would suddenly change because there had been an, an uptick in, in um, domestic cases wherever they were visiting. So on return to the UK, you know, they were put into like a 14-day quarantine they had to do and the costs involved and the ramifications on their employment, etc., etc. So... People became more and more reluctant to, to, to plan to go overseas because of this, this the virus and the effect it was having on travel. So the, the, the word staycation, I don't know if this is a term used in the States, mm-hmm. but staycations yeah. became more and more an option for people. They said, well, look, at least if we travel within the UK, we can come home. If there's, you know, if, if there's a kind of lockdown of an area, it's not that difficult to get home. And uh, consequently, sort of looked in closer, let's say, looked in their backyard to see where can we go and where haven't we been yet? And, and let's explore a bit uh, while we're in this situation. Let's explore a bit more here uh, closer to home. So, yes, that um, that has influenced and, and helped uh, the numbers, I suppose. It's not something we would have wished for under these circumstances, of course. Um, but but it, it is good that we're able to provide somewhere for people to travel and, and, and find interesting and be curious about. With the control on overseas visitors, again, due to COVID at the moment, it has, as you've mentioned, sort of restricted that demand from overseas. So it gives more of an opportunity to UK domestic travellers to, to, to find availability when they do want to uh, travel and visit and stay within the United Kingdom, including Kintyre. And I think there are people who have will have heard the name Kintyre and 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 have heard of the island of Gia and always thought, well, one day we'll get there. One day we'll get there. And with a combination of us launching this, the Kintyre sixty six at this time, and with their need to find somewhere closer to home to to uh, to vacation, these two have come together and provided uh, a market which maybe would not have been so strong domestically. Uh, had it not been for the current situation. And we hope once people have experienced it here and go away and talk about it, that that, that will be that domestic part of the market will be sustained and we'll have got to know a little bit better how to deal with the numbers that, that we have coming through and be ready for when there's some uh, more international travel, when people can visit in greater numbers and be ready to look after them. Well, that raises, um, I guess, my final question, and that is when international travel is restored, when people like myself from the USA who are enamored of Scotland and, and want to visit and can't wait to get back, you know, Scotland has so much to offer. There's even in various regions from the borders to the highlands to the to the islands, out into the, the inner and the outer Hebrides, there's Edinburgh, there's Glasgow. Kintyre's got an awful lot of competition. So here's your chance. Sell me on the idea that when I get to come back to Scotland, when all of us get to come back to Scotland, why should Kintyre and the K66 be well up on our on our bucket list of places to see and do when we have the chance to return to Scotland? Thank you for, for that uh, welcome challenge that you've set me. 
Um, I would say <laughs> I would say it's because it's it's a microcosm um, of what's available. Uh, we do, certainly we don't have the mountains of Glencoe, though we uh, we do have some beautiful mountain scenery when one travels by the eighty three from from Glasgow to Campbelltown. You drive over what's called the Rest and Be Thankful. Uh, on a, and and it, it it runs parallel in places to an old military road that was built back uh, I think in the eighteen hundreds I think it was if not the late seventeen hundreds, and uh, so you you do get a little bit of that mountain experience. But once you come down and onto the peninsula, with the varying coastline we've got from these beautiful beaches to some very rocky uh, and in some places a cliff type coastal line, you have that, and then you have forestry. And you have um, beautiful rambling hills that you can walk in as well. Lots of freshwater lakes, lochs, as you know we call them here. That if you if you fancy casting a fly and brown trout fishing, you have that available. The golf, which we've said much about, the whiskey that's here, the, all these various things you can do are within that sixty-six a mile route. And I think that's what makes it attractive. There are other routes that are that are going to offer you many of the things that can be offered in Kintyre. But I don't think they can be in such a compact um, route that you can easily cover at your own leisure, whether you want to take a long time about it and stretch it over four, five, six days a week, or if you want to sort of do it in three days, or in fact, some people may just want to drive around it like we talked about earlier. And in that, there's a certain uniqueness. The uniqueness also is its ex- remote accessibility of it. So it's it's, it's it comes across as being remote as a nearly an island, but it's very accessible by air, by sea, and by road. And you can choose then when you want to come onto the peninsula and when you leave, want to leave the peninsula. And so if you are an overseas traveller coming in, you don't have to worry about, am I going to make my flight out of Glasgow? What if the, there's not a connection working for me? Because you've got the road if you wish to do it that way. And you can you can get out, at, you know, you can schedule your own departure time. That's uh, what it. What I would say is, is, is what's available here is all of these wonderful things in a more compact landmass that is scenically beautiful with lots to explore, see, and do. My thanks to my guest, Johnny Beveridge, owner of the Dunlosset House B&B and a member of the Explore Kintyre and Gia Tourism and Marketing Group. To learn more about the new K66, you should have a look around its website and Facebook page. You'll find links to both in our show notes at www.underthetartansky.scot. There you'll also find a link to a blog post by our Wild About Scotland friend and fellow podcaster, Kathy Kamleichner, on 13 things to do in Kintyre. And of course, there's also a link to John and Mandy's beautiful B&B if you're anxious to start planning your own visit. Next time, we'll take a walk in the woods as we learn about trees for life a charitable effort to rewild the Scottish Highlands by revitalizing the Caledonian forest that once covered massive areas of the Highlands, but today is reduced to about 2% of its former size. Don't forget a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts is always greatly appreciated. And if you'd like to support future episodes, you can buy me a coffee or a cuppa. Just look for the bright pink button at the top of our podcast episodes page on the website. And on a final note, I'm terribly excited to say that this episode celebrates our sixth anniversary. It was June 17th, 2015, when Under the Tartan Sky released its first episode. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Top of the leave.
Agus Alpa Gubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glen L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol, Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>